I went to Whole Foods and I got the $13 orange juice. <laughs> Where it's like a person God. actually squeezed every yeah, orange yeah, 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 yeah. into some, a bucket. Some Amazon is... employee in the warehouse, <laughs> right? It was just like... <laughs> While he was crying into it. It's there are the tears. Te- it's the tears of that's Amazon what employees. <laughs> that's what makes... So it really, I mean, yeah, I mean, let me just cheers, cheers to all those, all those. <laughs> Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I drink your milkshake. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cinefleck. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Um, this week on the show, I'm super, super excited. I have my good friend on, Paloma Tracy, uh, discussing one of my favorite movies and a movie that's continually rising in my list of favorite movies, Almost Famous. Uh, I think I love it every time I watch it, even more than the last time. I watched it. We drank tequila sunrises on this episode, which I've got to say were pretty fantastic. I've got the recipe up on my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages if you guys want to follow along and uh, try it out. I thought they turned out quite well. Um, other announcements before we get started. Next week on the show, I'm doing Eternal Sunshine, which I'm very, very excited about with uh, one of my Letterboxd fl- friends. Clara. Uh, I'm super excited to have her on. This is my first remote interview, so hopefully that all goes smoothly. We're drinking Blue Ruins, which uh, Clementine talks about in the movie, and uh, basically it's a take on a gin tonic with some curacao in it to make it blue. Uh, So that should be really fun. I also wanted to announce a giveaway. I'm doing a giveaway partially because I want to drive up interest in the show, but also just because I want to give back to you guys. So thank you all for, for supporting the show so far. The, uh, the giveaway is for a cocktail book called Gone with the Gin. It's a cocktail book based on uh, classic Hollywood movies, and then also a month free of the Criterion channel. So we'll have two prizes, two winners. Um, I, all you need to do to enter is uh, write a review on iTunes and then share a link either on uh, Twitter or on or on Instagram. The easiest way to do it on Instagram is just to go into um, share on Spotify and then click share to Instagram stories uh, and then tag me on on that so I see it. Uh, so yeah, all you need to do is share the link and write a review. And if your username doesn't match uh, your Apple ID for some reason, just message me so I know it's you. Uh, I will put all the names in, in a hat at the end of the week, and uh, we will see who wins. Best of luck to everyone, uh, and thank you for participating in advance. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Um I'm very excited uh, to share this one with you, so I hope you all enjoy. Does anybody remember laughter? I'd like to interview you or somebody from your band. Oh, the enemy, a rock writer. Ladies and gentlemen! How old are you? 17. Me too. 
Actually, I'm 16. Me too. Isn't it funny? The truth just sounds different. I'm 15. Gonna be a true journalist. You cannot make friends with the rock star. They're gonna fly you places for free. You're gonna meet girls. Oh god, it's gonna get ugly. I am telling secrets to the one guy you don't tell secrets to. I know what's going on. Your mom called! I have family members with severe anxiety problems. Hey, you want to go to a party with some good people looking to have a good time? Don't take drugs! Don't take drugs! Your mom kind of freaked me out. It's Bowie! Rock stars have kidnapped my son. I am a golden god! Paloma! Ethan. Hello! Hi, friend! <laughs> this is fun! I feel very efficient. Thank you for coming on. Check, check. Check, check. Check, check, check. Testing. <laughs> testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing. Um, hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the to podcast. The podcast. <laughs> uh, we just watched Almost Famous. We did. That's such a good movie. And it was. It was so good. A plus. A a, it's a lot louder on the microphone. Let me smash the It was a lot louder. It was a lot louder. Um, a plus. Oh my god, that was such a good movie. So I like. Excellent. Yeah, like I, I only, see, I think I saw it pretty. I saw it pretty recently with Paige, probably like okay. two or three months ago, and like I, like I remembered a lot of it, and I, I was kind of surprised how much of it I remembered. Yeah. Um, you totally had the fact because. Ways flowing you knew what was going on i don't even know stillwater like stillwater doesn't exist no. obviously but yeah. they just like they're so there they're so it's so real, so real in the moment which i think is the beauty of that oh movie. my god yeah right like how real yeah. it feels and how well they or cameron crow i guess can create oh my god. that whole feeling and it's like like, a unheard of, I guess. Like, you don't feel like that with many other movies, at least for me. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, um, So, how are the drinks? Also, a plus. And by that, I mean excellent. So, okay, Very okay. Very good. I've, I've been, like... It's sort of funny because I watched I watched the movie with you and I'm like, how much should I say for the podcast? How much should I tell you? So yeah, let that's me, what I was thinking the whole time too. Let okay. me tell okay, you the tell hi- me. let me tell you the history, history of the Tequila Sunrise. Okay, I'm gonna pull up the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dictionary defines yeah, yeah, Tequila dictionary. Sunrise as. <laughs> Are you talking about Palm Springs? <laughs> no, but like, okay, okay, okay. So like, invented. Yeah. In Arizona in the 30s and 40s. But then popularized mm-hmm. at a bar in Sausalito, which is like Whoa. 50 minutes away from where we are now. And then in 1972, Bill Graham hosts a party for the Rolling Ooh. Stones. Ooh. Mick Jagger's there. Stop. Mick Jagger tries a tequila. For everyone, we're doing Jimmy Fallon's Mick Jagger. We are. He sticks out the chicken wings. And then he's Mick Jagger. So, you gotta like unhook so, your jaw to be. Yeah, I need to work on unhooking yeah, my jaw. Yeah. Mick Jagger. We're Mick practicing. Jagger. 
Mick Jagger tries the tequila sunrise and he's like, this is the shit. And then he, yeah. he like starts to order them all over the country. Unreal. So, but, but in, 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 in 1972, he starts to order them all over the country. Okay. His tour is, is then dubbed the Cocaine and Tequila it's Sunrise tour. tour. Yes. Okay. Because of the Tequila Sunrise thing. Jose Cuervo prints the recipe on their bottle in 1973. Whoa. This movie was set in 1973. Whoa. It was, the drink was invented on a rock tour. This movie is about a rock tour a year later. And I planned this all it all checks out, yeah. But that like I planned it all. Sense. I... Oh yeah, so there was a lot of thought that went into it. Yes, and it makes obviously. A lot of sense. I definitely like thought you just like googled like seventies drink and no. then tequila sunrise came up. Well, like, but... yeah, that's kind of how it happened. No, no, and no, then no, and... my long story is so much better. <laughs> but the long story totally. is that it fits perfectly. It totally does. Ah. Uh... Only Mick Jagger was in the movie. Mick Jagger should have been in the movie, but you pointed out that Peter Frampton was in the movie. He is, yeah. Which I did not realize. Yeah. Um, roadie manager for one of the bands. Oh my yeah. god. Pretty cool. Yeah, no, there's so many great cameos in the movie. Like, totally. Meatloaf's in the movie. Yeah, what Nick the fuck? Schwartzman's. Fucking. Nick Schwartzman's? Like, I Nick never know how to say his name. It's like Schwartzden? Schwartzden. It's like sword? How do you say that word? I think it's just sword. You don't say no, I'm overthinking sword? this. I think this the drink is podcasting. Oh. oh no, it's my no, it's fine. No, no, um, it's fine. The tequila sunrises were very good. Yeah, and they, they were had very good. In them, so they had tequila in them. They turned out very well. I no, I totally agree. <laughs> this is what I was saying. Ethan and I were saying this earlier. Is that they can go? I feel like they can go bad so easily. Right? Is like. It can easily taste like like a frat party mimosa. Yeah. So so, so what easy. happened? How what happened was I shot. I, I was shopping <laughs> for the audience. Right. I was shopping. I was shopping for drinks earlier, and I went yeah. and I got like the simply orange orange juice. Yeah. And they only had like high pulp or no pulp, and I was like, yeah. I just want like regular amount of pulp. Right. I don't want like. Don't make me choose. Don't make me choose. <laughs> so I went no pulp. Yeah. I don't know if high pulp would have been any better. They looked around the same color, but I took it home and I poured it in the thing and it yeah. just, oh my, yeah, it was frat party drink. It was totally. not oh, right. Yeah. And then I went to Whole Foods and I got the $13 orange juice. <laughs> Where it's like a person God. actually squeezed every yeah, orange yeah, 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 yeah. into some, a bucket. Some Amazon employee in the warehouse, totally. right? It was just like, <laughs> While he was crying into it. <laughs> there are the tears. Tea- it's the tears of that's Amazon employees. <laughs> That's what makes. That's what really. I mean, yeah. I mean, let me just cheers, cheers to all those, all those. (laughs) Um, no, like this movie's crazy good. This movie's crazy. This movie's like crazy, crazy, crazy crazy good. good. It kicks so much ass, and I, with the exception of Superbad, would say that it's my favorite movie. Okay, so the, it's this and Superbad. Yeah. And, and is it because we just watched Superbad like a month ago that you chose this movie? Well, so Superbad is objectively the best movie ever made. So. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I can't argue with you really. So, yeah, I can't really it's argue with you. It's not up for debate. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so I did, I didn't want to force you to watch Superbad for the second time in like two weeks or three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So we watched Almost Famous. No, I love I love Super Red so much. So so almost famous. 
I, I didn't realize this, but like it didn't it, it like it was like a box office bomb. Did you know that? I didn't. I don't know. Tell like me a, more. It's like a travesty. It's a was total. Was it that bad? It, well, I mean, okay, so it's it made it made forty seven million on a sixty million budget. Mm. And like generally, when you factor in marketing costs and taxes yeah. and the theater cut and everything, you kind of need to make like double. You have to at least usually <laughs> like, yeah, make yeah. double to like okay, actually break sense. through. So it like majorly bombed at the time, which is very surprising. Oof. And it's such a classic now; you yeah. wouldn't ever expect that. And it but came out in two thousand. Two thousand. I wonder if that's a weird time for a movie like that. It's like, a well. We were talking about High Fidelity because yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman is also Jack Black in High. Fidelity fidelity it's the same exact character totally just Um, super music nerd super music nerd that that does the hand thing over the (laughs) shoulder (laughs) it's the same thing (laughs) and also just like kind of like self-indulgent like brooding guy yeah kind of hates himself but uh yeah so high fidelity in this and they're both like sort of an ode to vinyl I mean, High Fidelity more so, but this Mm -hmm. definitely is also like an ode to vinyl. (laughs) All the records, we talked about this, but like all the records were Cameron Crowe's records Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, Yeah. Do you want to like talk about your favorite scenes or characters first or anything? What do you want to do? Yeah. What do you want to do? Well, related to that, I didn't realize how autobiographical this movie is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. I figured, like, it's kind of based on his life, but I learned recently that it's, like, totally, like, a lot of the scenes are, like, things that happened to him as a 15-year-old, and, like, he graduated high school at 15, and then started writing for the Rolling Stones. This is Cameron Crowe. He was, about. yes, <laughs> Cameron. For all, for all our, for all our listeners out there. Cam, Cam Daddy. Cam Daddy. Crow Baby. I hope he hears this podcast. <laughs> Cameron, I don't see why he wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like, clearly. yeah, clearly it's like us and the almost famous podcast, which you were saying I've not heard saying, yet, but yes. there, there is, there is now an almost famous podcast that's been like revealing a bunch of yeah. information about this movie, yes, which is like super cool. Yeah, so what I know of it is like he kind of like he was also like a child prodigy, prodigy like Rolling Stones writer. Yeah, and like he, um, he followed the Allman Brothers on tour. Yeah. Primarily, and then I don't know what happened after that. If he, I think I think he did. Okay, so so the plane crash scene is based on a, based on something that happened with the Who. Yeah, I did not. But know. I don't I don't know. He did something with Peter Frampton. He he wrote the he wrote the like he wrote the lyric sheets down for mm. Peter Frampton's albums. Yes. Apparently, yeah. which is how Peter Frampton. I I I comes to be in this. I don't. Like I didn't recognize him in this. But He's not a person whose face I know. Yeah, I no, yeah. but I'm very impressed you recognized him. Um, no, but it's because of that podcast that I was listening to that mm. they talked about it. Okay, so for the listeners, um, <laughs> this podcast is called Origins, and it's by somebody named James something. I can't remember. His name. <laughs> so just <laughs> look up that James. Help you. Yeah, just yeah, look yeah. up James. You're It'll be James. fine. James, it'll show up. Yeah, it'll be um, totally fine. And so he, almost famous, turned 20 this year. Yeah. So for the 20th anniversary, he, like, had a bunch of the cast come back and talk about it. And, like, there's a bunch of episodes. I listened to a couple of them. But, um, so he talks about, a lot about how 
Peter Frampton and Nancy Wilson of Heart were a very big part of writing all the music and coaching all of the band band mate people in the band the pseudo band yeah right so so and then so like after all of that he kind of had this part that's like one of the road or the band managers and then asked peter like would you want to play this like just for kicks right like come say a couple lines and he was like no way like i've never acted i'm not gonna do that like are you kidding (laughs) and he's super british whatever yeah yeah no way man i would never all right. No, darling. <laughs> no deal. All right, you could get that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but so he like got to be in it for like whatever a minute total. No, he it's was, great like, Pretty though. excited about it. It's yeah, so yeah. awesome. It's, it's so cool. awesome. No, yeah. Peter Frampton's great in that part. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, so much of that movie is just made up of these like fun characters. Like I love just like when like they head to like a new hotel and you're yeah. just like. You're you're sort of swarming this whole new scene, yeah. And Penny Lane obviously knows everyone. Penny Lane, I think, is honestly one of the most interesting characters, like like ever. Like she's so totally. She's got so much going on, and like I remember us talking about like the the scene where she like she figures out that she was traded to what's the band Humble Pie. Yeah. Kind of an ironic, well, I guess an unironic name, but um, she was traded to the band for like fifty dollars and a case of beer. Case of and Heineken. Case of Heineken, and she breaks down for like two seconds, and then mm-hmm. she asks what beer. But like, she breaks down for two seconds, and that's like the only time in the entire movie that you really see her. Yeah, she's like so. Um, it's like so intricate and interesting, but also like, like she's. She's like nineteen at the time. Like the actress was yeah. nineteen at the time. I guess us as the audience, we don't really know how old is she, how old she's she is. So any, ambiguous. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No. She's just such a fascinating character. Like it's crazy. It's totally. crazy. I just like I love Kate Hudson in this in this part. At some point, I can go through the list of people that like audition like everyone yeah. in Hollywood. Oh, totally. At that, that age, part. wanted that part. Absolutely. It's yeah. crazy. She, yeah. yeah, I think, like, in to some degree, she makes the movie. Like, yes, totally. Every scene that she's in is, like, fun to watch. Like, there's something about her in that. And, like, I guess I don't even know, like, what other big roles she's been in that really made her career. I feel like it's this. Like, I think of Penny Lane when I think of her. It's kind of this. She did some rom coms, but she right. like this is this is Kate Hudson's Everything else like was bread and butter. Yeah, honestly. No, totally. But it's like something about and like in the in that other podcast they talked a little bit about it, but like there's something just innately about her as a person that's so bright. Like she brings this light to any room that she's in, you know. And so like it doesn't matter what she's doing, but you want to watch her, right? Yeah, and that's no, what's so cool about it. Totally. It's like totally. you want her to be in every scene because yeah, and like, like honestly, charismatic like, and yeah, 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 no, 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 and she's like she's she's kind of the heart of the movie. It's odd because like the main character is William Miller. Yeah, I don't. My hot take is I don't think he's a great actor <laughs> no. at all. I think he's yeah. like a bad actor. Yeah, but honestly, I think that helps the movie because yeah. he's like he's immature and he's bad at what he's doing. Totally. So it's like that 
it, it's no surprise to me that that actor didn't make it very yeah. far, and I have no idea what his yeah. name was. Patrick but... Fugit. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Maybe Round of applause. It's only my favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, no, but like, I mean, he didn't. He didn't do like anything after this. Right. And and um, yeah, but like, it it sort of helps his persona. And the fact that he's, like, immature and all this stuff, yeah. that, like, he he just doesn't, he, like, yeah, he's just, he's just, like, he's bad at navigating social situations, basically. Totally. And yeah. there's, there's something about, like, how, so I don't, he wasn't an actor before this movie, like, this is mm. his, they just kind of found him randomly, he's just, like, a teenager dude. I who, could like, see that. Lo- looks really, like, innocent, and, like, oh. he would be perfect for the part. And I think that, like, makes the role is that he really doesn't know what he's doing, like, genuinely. So it's, yeah. like, him as a human doesn't know what he's doing in this role, but also him as Willie Miller, the rock journalist who's 15 years oh. old, doesn't know what he's doing, right? And that's, like, I think he, he's probably just playing himself, you know? Like, as probably, a human. Probably, honestly. Like, genuinely reacting to, like, Kate Hudson, like, talking to him and like this this beautiful like just his infatuation with her like just dealing with that and i don't know like probably the whole production of it all and the whole like grandness of being in a cameron crowe movie he's just like it feels like he's just kind of going with the flow yeah so i think that it kind of like his authenticity i guess like, no, for sure, for sure. Character. I think I think there's something that comes through about like the way he is. Yeah. But like, like, I'm just not surprised for some reason that he didn't make it elsewhere. But he's so perfect for this movie. It's totally. sort of an odd dichotomy yeah. in that way. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's sense. crazy. Do you want to? Do you want to go through like our favorite characters? Like, yeah. what do you want to do? Totally. Yes. What, what do you want to do? Like, what? Um, we can draft our favorite characters this yeah. is like this is like what i've been doing we've been drafting yeah. our favorite scenes favorite or characters scenes, characters let's do characters because this okay. movie's got such deep care like there are a lot of characters there's a lot of characters <laughs> yeah. and there's such great characters totally. and there's a lot to talk about so that's true number one pick in characters oh i go yeah i go for it okay um mrs penny lane yeah. Is my number one. Of course. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. Um, or should I say Lady Goodman? Lady Spoilers. Goodman. I feel like that would be a good trivia question. That's a That's a that's really a good, good trivia, trivia question. question. And I but that's not a thing I like remember. No. Until I see it every no. time. Like I don't ever remember. But that's the that's point. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> that's Yeah, no, it's crazy. What totally why is well, she no. number one? Oh, why? Oh, that's so hard to explain. Um, I guess like I said before, like she just has a thing about her that's like it makes you you're always rooting for her and you're in love with her and you wanna be anywhere near her. And so she's just like, yeah, she's the heart of the movie, like you said. Yeah. And I want her to be in every movie. I think it should be a rule. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't be upset. Penny Lane I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset if she showed up in like gravity and she's like, "What's going on?" She's like floating through space <laughs> in her like fur coat. Like, yeah, sweet. She's like, guys, just need to calm down. <laughs> totally. No, I mean, on, yeah, no. I, Penny Lane in every movie would not bother me. Right. Yeah. Not protest. 
I think I think the second. God, no, this is, us, hard. this is hard. This is hard. Is she hard. also your number one? Oh, she has to be my number one. Yeah. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take number two though. Number two would probably be Billy Crudup. Who? Okay. What's his? Russell. Russell. <laughs> yeah. So. Whoops. So so the 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 first thing I like remember seeing him in is Big Fish, mm. which is like the um the Tim Burton movie. Yeah. And I was really really disappointed by him. I've never seen that. It's it's fine. It's yeah, like that's, Tim. That's it's like it came out in two thousand two, and it's like Tim Burton tries to do a grown up movie. And it and it uh, and it works sometimes and it doesn't work other times. But Billy Crudup is like this guy that's like having trouble connecting with his dad. Okay. And uh, and is he a kid? Like how young? So so there's a bunch of flashbacks. Okay. And Albert Finney plays the old version of Ewan McGregor. Whoa. And Ewan Mc- and so Albert Finney's telling this whole like mm-hmm. tale, but you don't really know how much of his how much of it is true and how much of it isn't true because it's like they're always like oh he's your father and he likes to tell tall tales so but so that part's kind of cool but billy crudup is like he's always like like i don't like my dad and like i've never he's like angsty but he's 40 and it doesn't work i don't know it's too old to be angsty i don't know it just doesn't yeah. It didn't work for me, and I always thought he was a bad actor until I saw him in this. Okay, gotcha. And I was like, oh, like he's so good in this. He's yeah. really, really good in this. He's really good in this. He's really good as sort yeah. of like the the sort of chill rocker that's yeah. sort of kind of brooding, kind brooding. Of, kind of, he he's so interesting because he's kind of like introspective, but kind of also oblivious. It's like this weird yeah. dichotomy of like. Sometimes he's self-aware and sometimes he's a dick. It's like, right? Right, right, right. No, totally. So totally. he's like, sometimes you hate him, sometimes you love him. And I guess that's maybe the point of his character. Maybe that's the point of, like, rock and roll, right? Like, people are just like that. Like, the singer's the same way. Yeah. What, I don't know. Jason Lee. Jeff Jason something? Lee. Yeah. Jeff? BB? Yeah. The Scientologist. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yay. Um... But yes, we're no, no, sense. he's he's like he's really really good in this. Just just in his like, I, I don't know, in 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 his way, in his sort of like in his sort of chill manner. But uh-huh. you know, he he's he's clearly destined to greater things than this sort of like, quote unquote, almost famous band. You know, totally. like yeah, he's the one in focus on the TV. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and he's great. I guess yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay, so. Some, if you want to see more of him, I guess. The other thing, the only other thing that I ever, like, he's made an impression in for me is 20th Century Women, which I feel oh. like I talk about a lot. Yeah. Oh. Because it was so excellent. I haven't seen this yet, but I right. liked I liked The Beginners by the same director, mm. which came out in, like, 2010. Okay. I didn't see that. But I've, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um... But I, so I don't know much about him as an actor, but I think that he, and I'm talking out of my ass here, so don't quote me, but I think that he might be like kind of anti big Hollywood roles. Uh And so he tries to take more like indie movie roles and stuff like that. And like tries to be like, I don't know, just like, um, 
less flashy about like the roles he takes. Yeah. And so that's why we that. don't see a lot of him, but the things he does, he is in are like very intentional. Um, I can see like that. He, he thinks a lot about the roles he's in. So I guess that's kind of cool. Like, no, that's I definitely could, like, cool. admire in an actor. Yeah. yeah, no, that's definitely a respect that that's definitely something I respect. Like I, I can respect a lot of actors that sort of, are able to balance both too. I mean, like you totally. think about like Adam Driver or something like that, where like yeah. you're able to like you're able to like sort of do the Hollywood shit, but then like just you know yeah go off and do the indie shit with Noah Baumbach and whatever else. Yeah, like, totally. I, I don't know. And just be yourself. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally, totally respect that. Yeah. yeah. What's your uh, What's the number three Ooh. pick in this? Ooh. <clears throat> I I think I have to say his mom. Yes. Also known as Frances McDormand. Yeah. <laughs> I think her name is Elaine. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, God. you're I, I'm horrible with character names, honestly, so this is good. But I like, might have made that up. No, no, it's it's Elaine. It's Elaine. Elaine That's a different movie. Um It's also there's something about her that's just like she has this like almost comedic timing about her that's like everything she says is like fucking funny like i know that she's like well part of her is being serious and actually like genuinely concerned for like her kids and the other half of her is just like like she also kind of gets it you know like you know that she like she's in the 70s and she like is raising kids and she's a single mom and she just like is being herself and she's and not gonna stop him from going no, out on on yeah. tour with some yeah. band or whatever like she tells him like you're graduating high school as like a 15 year old like two years early or whatever so that you can go pursue your dreams yeah like, she has these goals as a mom that are like go do whatever you want but also like don't do drugs <laughs> yeah know? it's like no totally totally yeah i kind of think that character is is like a great example of like how to sort of like make something as like an actor or actress out of like a part that's that doesn't necessarily have to be anything like honestly like she she um like it it could just be like a lame mom being like come home like i need you here Mm -hmm. but like francis mcdermott adds so much humanity to that part which is the reason it's like number three i honestly i don't think it's written that well i had a conversation with thomas on Mm -hmm. our dead poet society podcast where we disagreed about how like can you remember the dad in dead poet society yeah was like the dad in that 70s show and he's all like red yeah (laughs) and he's all like and he's all like he's all like you need to become a lawyer and get home and do that and and he was just like he just did a lame job with it it was badly written it was badly acted and this is like this is also like could have been one dimensional, but then I think like Francis McDormand adds so much depth to this character. And totally. like you actually, I, I don't like you totally understand her position. And I don't think you had to understand her position, but I think yeah. you do. Like you just kind of yeah. get her and you get where she's coming from. Totally, because she means so well. Like you know that she yeah. wants she wants him to like find his passion and like be himself, but she's also just like so like with him all the time like she feels yeah. the pain and the whatever that he's feeling and something that i learned about her in that role is that at the time she was playing that 
she had a five-year-old son and because they were filming she hadn't seen him in a long time and so she felt like in a lot of the scenes where she's talking to William on the phone and she's upset because she can't communicate with her son she felt like she was talking to her own kid Mm -hmm. because she'd been so much apart from him for the last whatever couple months and just like felt frustrated by that and Oh, so it, wow. like she was like like channeling her own feelings I can in her see own that. family, and That's it totally intense. comes across. And like in that wow. scene where like they can't hear each other, but they're saying like "I love you, I love you," and they can't hear each other. And then she throws the phone down, like that was a genuine thing. And Cameron Crowe like was like, "That's not what I was looking for. Like I didn't expect that from you." But then he kept it because it was so genuine. Oh my god! Yeah, the other moment that he kept that that we were talking about was was this moment where. She says, I think I'm going to Morocco. And then he says, say it again. Yeah. You know, she, she, she's like, probably go to Morocco with me. Yep. And then he goes, say it again. Yeah. It's just because he didn't remember his line. That's awesome. And, and he's yeah. like, say it again so I can like actually Ask respond. Me again. And yeah. then Cameron Crowe just loved it. Which like kind of comes back to what we were talking about with like him just being naive and it works mm-hmm. so well. Yeah, I I, 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 I like did not know that history of like Frances McDormand and her kid. It makes a lot yeah, of sense. Right. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, so yeah. Just, I like you can feel like her being an actual mom. She's such movie. an actual like, mom. Yeah. Oh my god. This is so now fifty percent of the podcasts that we've done have been <laughs> with Frances McDormand as the mom. Whoa. Which is a high keep percentage. Keep it up. Yeah. I think you could keep that Let's up. Let's raise the percentage. Yeah. Get there. I'm gonna run you through okay, a please. list okay. of people who were almost cast as Penny Lane. I'm excited. Hey, and hey. you, you tell me your favorite because, like, I don't. I, I think there's no argument that like Kate Hudson, you can't replace her. Yeah. But if Kate Hudson never existed, mm-hmm. and this part where I know, <laughs> I know this hurts. It hurts. Okay, I accept. If it. Kate Hudson never existed. Yeah. Um. Um. So here's what I got. Uh, Brittany Murphy, Whoa. Anne Heche, Kev Campbell, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Whoa. Rose McGowan, Allison Hannigan, Catherine Heigl, Natalie Portman, Rebecca Romaine, Chloe Sevigny, Ooh. Alicia Silverstone, Uma Thurman, Tony Collette. There's like the Dude. list. The list goes, and 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 those are all people who auditioned. The list goes like. The list is twice as long. I just pulled I a few. I just pulled my favorite names. I bet. But yeah. of those names, <laughs> no, don't do this to me. Who could have? Who could have done it? No. Who could have done it? Okay, I did it. Definitely don't know a few of those. Yeah, it's top okay. People. It's like, okay. Who was like the second person? Anne H. Who was that? She was in the Psycho remake. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> do, do you know what? how like lar- uh, is it? Um, it's Gus. Pan Sant remade Psycho in like 1998. It's like a shot for shot remake of Psycho. This happened. Um, Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Oh. Um, And it's, I have not seen it, but it's like, it's a shot for shot remake of Psycho, which almost makes it worse because you're sort of like. Probably not something we need. Yeah. So that happened. So, okay, just (laughs) off the top of my head, if I'm thinking about. Like, someone for that role with the same kind of, like, I want to watch everything they do. Yeah. The person who stands out to me is Uma Thurman. 
Because I feel the same way about her. <laughs> she got she got offered the role and turned it down. Oh man. So she she actually turned it down. A lot of these people were like were like trying to get the role. Yeah. She, I mean she if you yeah. can get Uma Thurman, you you get her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never like I've never seen her in that in a role like that. I actually yeah. haven't seen her in that many things, to be honest. Like I've I guess same. Like Kill Bill is obviously so iconic. Yeah. And like Gattaca. <laughs> Where she met Ethan Hawke. Oh my her god. Lover. Oh my god. And the chemistry in that movie is like incredible just yeah. because they like they like just met. Actually are, yeah. They're actually like hooking up. It's it's yeah. it's it's an incredible chemistry movie. Totally. I don't know if I like I don't know if I could see her in this. Like I think I think yeah. I think that like Natalie Portman could have pulled it off. Especially given like Hang on, the professional, mm. like the fact that like mm. she's sort of like she's sort of like sexually mysterious, yeah. even though she's like you don't really know her age, and she's sort of like yeah, that's. I feel like Natalie Portman could have actually kind of pulled this off. I see that, and also just that like she's also such a great actress, right? And that like there's also in just kind of how she looks, like there's something about like. Her smile, yeah, her face that's just like kind of draws you in. I feel like she does have sort of a harshness that, like, I think Kate yeah. Hudson. There's a sort of like, there's a sort of innocence, like underneath yeah. her, her sort of facade of like, oh, I'm retiring, like, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I you're retired. Like, like you're like years seventeen ago. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just gonna start. Like, again. I think, I think Kate Hudson. There's a sort of <laughs> innocentness, but in innocence. Innocentness is not a word. Innocency behind her her smile that like I think is so like genuine with her. Yeah. I don't know. I like yeah. I, I love I love her her look in this. I agree with you. Totally. Okay. So And that's wait, okay. Yeah. No, thing. go for it, it. If um now that you're saying Natalie Portman and that kind of age and like just light is I'm now I'm picturing Garden State. Which is, oh. she's, like, exactly that age. Yeah. Yeah, and that was only kind of, a couple of years later. kind of has that about her, right? Just, like, that charisma that you're, like, I want, I want to, like, watch everything you do. I want to watch everything you do. I want to see, yeah. like, what you're doing. Like, go, like, grocery shopping. I'll watch. And it'll be, <laughs> and it'll be cool. Yeah. No, I mean, we were talking about how, like, they sort of cut this car ride where, where Pelliam Keller's in the car with, like, Penny Lane for, like, Probably a three-hour drive from San Diego yeah. to LA. I'm like, fuck. Like, we could have just extended the movie for three hours. That would have yeah. been. Yeah. That would have been fine with I'd me, watch honestly. That movie. No, I totally. would watch that movie. Let's just make a sequel. That's just them in the car. Exactly. Um. No, I mean, there's so much. There's so much great stuff with her. Like, what do you think it is that makes her such an interesting character? I guess we've oh. touched a bit on this, but like, yeah. I don't know if there's. Ooh, we it's can... so hard to like pinpoint. But there is, like, a mysteriousness Mm -hmm. about her. You never know her age. You don't know her name until, like, almost the end. You don't know anything about her, really, other than, like, her love for music and this light that she has and everyone wants to be around her. And so, like, innately she's this character that, like, you already love her, right? Like, you're... Yeah. You're like, I'm on your your side. I want to be wherever you are and I guess that ah, something I don't know something about how like Cameron Crowe created that feeling 
it's crazy the way he sort of builds this like lore like around the characters in this movie like he sort of he sort of he sort of hints here and there at like the things that they've been in their past the sort of the the like importance that they play and then when they show up you're like oh my god they're rock stars but we like I mean, they're actors. Like, Jason Lee, honestly... <laughs> Jason Lee, I know best from Alvin and Chipmunks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... Yeah. Like, these people, like, we we don't... We don't know that well, but, like, I... I he, he builds them up in such a way that's just... I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's also, like, I think some of the lines in this... He's, he, he's very good at quotables, i.e., like, Terry Maguire has so many... Totally. So many, so many quotables. Um, you had me at hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one after that? No, no, the one before that. You can't handle the truth! <laughs> <laughs> That's Aaron Sorkin. Fuck! <laughs> Just kidding! <laughs> Show me the money! Is that Show it? me the money! Yes! yes. But, the, but Nailed it. Bef- it's you completely, you had me <laughs> at hello. That's okay. the one I was looking for. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, whatever. No, it's totally, it's totally fine. Um, well, okay, wait. So there's just like... Something about her, where's like, where's like, yeah, um, not even speaking English anymore. So she's like 19 and she like talks like she's like retiring and like she has this wisdom about her that's like she's 40, but you know, she's she's maybe 20, but she's supposed to, or she's 19 and she's supposed to be 17, or it's confusing, but it's. But it's like you just, and you know she's been around. Like she no, has totally. this maturity about her that kind of no one else in the scene does. And like, like I think you're getting at a scene. no totally. And I think you're getting at a really good point, which is that like she's so young and she yeah. seems mature, but she also like has like she has like the innocent heart of a nineteen year old totally. or seventeen or whatever, yeah. however old she is. Yeah. She has like. This like young innocence yeah. about her that sort of shines through this like this like facade of of like experience, which she had yeah. like she has that experience, but yeah, it just like it it clearly doesn't stop. Like she clearly loves Russell. Oh yeah. You know, she clearly loves him. Yeah. And and there's nothing that she can do to stop that mm-hmm. despite all of her experience and all of her, you know, mm-hmm. life's wisdoms. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's just I don't know. Right. And there's like you know this scene where they first like William is trying to get into the show backstage that first time. Yeah. And they're not letting him in and he finally gets With in. With meatloaf. Exactly. Yup. <laughs> Nailed it. And he's talking, when he gets in, he's talking to Penny, and he's like, I'm 17. And she's like, I'm 17 too. I'm, I'm actually 16. No way, me too. Like that scene. <laughs> and then Russell comes up, and he introduces Penny and Russell, but clearly they know each other. Like they've met, and yeah. there's this thing between them. And in, the, in that scene, like she was in that moment of seeing Russell again, she started crying. Kate Hudson, yeah, the actress, just thinking about like the history that they have uh. together, and the song, the Joni Mitchell song that was playing in the background. She just started crying, and she didn't really know why. And then Billy Crud 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 
was was like confused because she wasn't supposed Good. to cry in that scene. Mm. He's like, why are you crying? But just like, so he looks kind of flustered right there. But she just, so there's like, I think that His that sort of also, fluster just, it, 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 totally. it makes the scene. Although, right. Yeah, continue, sorry. But no, no, but that's totally part of it. And it's like, she wasn't supposed to be emotional, but her, it, it just like adds to the maturity that it seems like, like they already have such a history together. But yeah. she's supposed to be like nineteen, right? Like that's crazy. Or eighteen, or seventeen, yeah. or twenty-one, or, or fifteen. Or fifteen. Like, it's like who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So like, and she like talks about it. Like she doesn't. She didn't know why she was crying in that moment. It just like happened, and yeah, it's like something about that character where like you can feel that like she's been through a lot or something. It's yeah. Like, no, she's like, been through like so 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 much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Honestly, like. That is one of the most, like, I, I mean, like, honestly, this movie is a character study on her as much as, like, Taxi Driver is a character yeah. study on Travis Bickle. Like, you're just, like, like not in the way that it's all about her because there's so much else happening, but in the way that, like, you, the audience, are just, like, trying to figure her out the right. whole time. You're just, like, what's her deal? Where's she from? And, and some of that you figure out, like, luckily you figure out her, luckily, I mean, you figure out her name. Mm-hmm. You figure out... She's from San Diego, I guess. Yeah. But like you that's don't. Where she's in the end. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She's she's in the end in San. Well. I guess that doesn't mean she's from there. Do we confirm that she's in some house in San Diego? Well, um, Russell says you guys live in the same city about William and Penny. But and he's she, in San Diego. But he also doesn't even know her name. So that's does true. he? I guess area codes. I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, know, honestly. Yeah. But like, but like, um, yeah. Like, I guess she lives in San Diego. I guess she. I guess she sort of. You do know her name, but there's so much that's left a mystery that like you're just trying to unfold, and yeah. and you can't. And I think that's what's sort of. Just briefly, I want to touch yes. on like the beauty of the non-ending. Yeah. I because. I, honestly, like, now, I don't even remember how this movie ends. <laughs> I don't remember the final shot. Yeah. Like, it's not like... Uh, it, it's the opposite of... In- it's, it's the opposite of, like, Inception or something, where mm-hmm. you're, like, thinking about the top, like, for the next Spain. hour. Yeah. Like, it's like... I don't know how this ends. It's the same thing with, like, Horns of Arabia is, like, a similar way. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen that. But, like, it's just, like... It's, it's like, a four-hour epic, and yeah. then it sort of ends, but it famously... St- starts with his death and then sort of cuts mm. back into his earlier life. So yeah. you don't like end with his death and that's sort of a memorable moment. This movie is like the same way where it just sort of ends and so then it like I think the beauty of like the non-memorable ending is it sort of feels like it carries on. Yeah. It sort of feels like it lives in its in its own world and you sort of return to it. You're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I'm picking it up here and I'm start I'm stopping it here." And it's sort of like yeah. I think I think like a non-memorable ending is such like an underrated feature in like a oh, movie. I love it. Uh, my plunk. No, that is a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I also right now cannot think of the end shot. Is it a bus? I feel like it's something driving into the distance. A bus? I like I know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be a bus. Yeah. There's they do like show that. They're back on the tour bus and it says no more planes. Oh. On the tour bus because they're like after the near death experience. Yeah. 
I'm not positive it's the end scene. No, I. But think that's exactly your point. Th- that's, that that's like exactly the idea. Is just yeah. that it's sort of like we literally just watch yeah. this and you can't think of the end shot. But yeah. but that's not but the point. It feels like it. It yeah. feels like it carries on. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it just. It, it doesn't feel like it's a story that stops. That starts and finishes. It just yeah. sort of like exists in its own world. Oh. I mean, yeah, like like. It's obviously like Cameron Crowe's like probably most personal movie that he's done, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know so much of the writing and so much of like the dialogue is amazing. I wrote down a few. Ooh, yes, quotes. tell me. I don't think I wrote down that many quotes actually. <laughs> Adolescence is a marketing tool. It's true. Um, the whole bass player interview where he's like, <laughs> "What is what? the chemical?" That makes that adds that that you add to the ba- band. He's like, oh, the uh, bass player. The bass. <laughs> He's like, well, what if we took out? <laughs> what if we took you out from the band? What would be missing? A bass. The bass. <laughs> that and that's the dude who doesn't talk the whole time, right? Or is that the other dude? The drummer is the dude that doesn't talk right, the whole time, right. and he's the guy that and goes, "I'm gay." gay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Let's say all the things we never said. Mm. He's so good at these, like, mm, these, like, just lines. And he makes you fall in love with oh him. Oh, my God. And he's, and he's, like, so beautiful. And he says all the right things. And he's got and the cool like, mustache. <laughs> which, like, totally. wouldn't wouldn't be cool in the any other movie. stash, yeah. It works in this movie. But, like, not pedophile stash. Not. Like, rock star stash. Ro- yeah, if he were any weirder, if he were any weirder looking, I don't think it would work. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing <laughs> I think we both mentioned watching this is just how much we miss hanging out in groups. <laughs> Social activities. Like, concerts, <laughs> house parties. Yeah. Going on a bus together. Yeah. Being in the same car. Um, being so in airports. Going to a restaurant. Uh, going to restaurants. Doing drugs together. <laughs> <laughs> There's like so many things. And like going backstage uh, with your favorite band. Yeah, yeah, yeah something that. that Paloma and I have a lot of experience with it. Oh yeah. Like, can you know how Penny Lane Easily. says like she's done twice the things she says we have. We've done like maybe a hundred times the things we. At least. At least. I mean, that's a low ball. Very, yeah, very experienced people. <laughs> no, I I miss uh I miss group activities. Things. I know. Do you, like, get that thing now where if you're watching a movie and you see someone, like, go into a house or a restaurant and you're like, where's your mask? Constantly. Like, put your mask on. I think, I think <laughs> they, no, constantly, constantly. It's bizarre. Like, I, I'm literally I'm watching, I'm watching movies from the 40s. Yeah. And, and she goes, hi, like, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, why are you shaking hands with them? And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm such, I'm in, like, such a paranoid state. Yeah. It's, like, it's sad. It's, it's really honestly it's sad. it's how much it's, like, infiltrated how I think. Like, it's, yeah. I can't think about it, like, temporarily even. It's, like, like, now forever I think about, like, you can't just go into a restaurant. It doesn't work like that anymore. Like, <laughs> Where's the outdoor seating? Like, put your mask on. <laughs> put your mask on. Why are you spending time talking to this stranger? Yeah. yeah. No, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. I mean, so watching the house party scene is feels fun, I guess, because it's like, oh, that used to be a thing. Miss that. A movie like this is just like fun to watch right now. Like right. maybe even more fun than usual because it's like in a in an era where like you could. 
it feels really free. Like you totally. go and you do whatever you want, and you're 15 year old, and you get on a tour bus with a rock star, rock band, you know, and like. No, totally. It, it it probably felt free in 2000 when it came out, and then it, yeah. I think it feels even more free like now because we're so much farther away from this time that was just sort of like, you yeah. know, free love and like go out and do do what you want and like your mom's not tracking you <laughs> and find my friends or totally. whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's it's um. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're so far away from that time now. Like it's 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 bizarre. Um. Yeah. Should we, should we finish going through our favorite characters? Yes. Wait, okay. I kind of forgot where we... we you did, we did Penny. Penny Lane. Where I did... Russell. Russell. Then we did then his mom. Then you did his mom. Your turn. Or did you say one? No, I didn't okay. go yet. Okay. You're Anna right. Paquin. Ooh, for real? Honestly. Okay, explain. I love her in this. I think, I think like, she's, she's obviously, like... She's she's not like the leader of the group like Penny Lane is yeah. like she's she's sort of she's sort of she, she's like part of the gang but I think she 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 sort of gives like she oddly enough gives sort of some empathy to Penny Lane herself because hmm. you sort of see like this younger girl that's sort of tied into this this copy or band-aid lifestyle yeah. or whatever and like she's she's sort of she's sort of young and innocent, but she's like trying out new things, and I I just think like the way she goes about life and the way she sort of like like she is sort of how William connects to that whole whole group because she's the only mm-hmm. one that's sort of willing to sort of open up to him honestly, and I think and I think that that sort of um, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but, like, I, I think that adds humanity to yeah. all of them. Because yeah. I she's sort of... Whether or not she, she's actually the youngest, she's sort of, like, the least mature. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that I think that just sort of, like, adds humanity to them. Like, it, she can relate most to him out of the whole group. Okay. No, I, I don't can, know. I think she's so great in that part. I can totally see that. There is, like, something genuine about her, like curiosity or mm-hmm. something totally that's just like she's like happy to be there and just like learning and exploring and it feels like kind of another version of william in that way so it's good to have him to have someone to connect to in that another way. version yeah. of william's a really yeah. good way to say it yeah. yeah no i mean she yeah yeah, it's, it's she. She's so she's so great in it. In it, um, and kind of underrated. Like we don't see a ton of her. She's like no. in love or whatever with Jeff, which is kind of a bummer. It feels like because he's like this older dude who's kind of a dick, and right. she's like so like full of life and like new to the scene, and it's like I don't know. You kind of don't want them to like be or him to influence her. You know, totally. I think. Yeah, 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 and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, continue. I think I think that sort of the tragedy of all these women is that they're yeah. sort of like we're the heartbreakers that inspire the music, but in reality, they're getting their heart broken like constantly. Mm-hmm. Like it's like brutal for them. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, it's fascinating. Yeah. And that that scene, like the epitome of that, I feel like is the scene where Penny gets sold for fifty bucks in yeah. a case of Heineken. Yeah, and her reaction is so pure. 
and it's just like so rough to watch and i we talked about this but no go for it i mean it gets at the heart of the character basically yeah, yeah. absolutely and I, it kind of sums up like her experience like as having to be like have such a tough exterior because they're in like like rock and roll is like it's brutal, right? Like, it's not about any one person because you're just going to get shit on. Like, everyone is yeah. fending for themselves in their rock and roll scene. Yeah, no, totally. And so she, like, she knows what she signed up for. So she's going to cry for five seconds, ten seconds, and then she's good. It's, like, it's part of the lifestyle, and yeah. it just, it hurts, but she just, like, she, she it, 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 it almost, like, how fast she comes out of it like it almost like it almost makes you think like she had to have been through this before. Yeah. That's kind of like that's kind of like the only way she could just kind of cry and sort of put on a smile. Totally. Cuz like yeah, it's just it's just brutal to be like sold by the person you love for $50 in case I had it again. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I mean it's crazy. I think I think that um I don't know if this is where we're going to go now, but I, I think I think that like we're both kind of into seventies music. I bet it's so. Think, and I think that this that is very fun about this movie. Yeah. Like I have a vinyl collection. Your parents have a crazy vinyl collection. I also have a vinyl collection. <laughs> Come on. It's do a you have junior like a personal? collection. No, yeah. I do I do have one, but I would say it's junior compared to my parents. No, your parents is like it's sort of just <laughs> like in serious. random oh, random yeah. shelves in the house. Yeah, no, but no, my it's dad great. is definitely serious about it. Yeah, no, it's oh. great. And and so it's sort of fun to like see him pull out all these old albums, pull yeah. out all these like deep cuts and yeah. honestly he okay, plays my mom too. <laughs> yeah, for say, sure. No, for sure. Both are. For sure. If your mom's <laughs> listening, we're not leaving you out of the I know, final, like, yeah, conversation. Yeah, you're you're both very serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fuck, okay, if that was serious, I got it. <laughs> you are equally into music. <laughs> Plug your mom. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I think, I think that's sort of so fun about this. Like, apparently, they they spent so much of like the budget on the music. Yeah. And and I mean, I do have a lot of hits in it. They have some deep cuts. Yeah. Like the Joni Mitchell song that they play, I love that song. It's yeah. off Blue. It's one of my favorite songs off mm-hmm. the album. Um, but like, they play like Tiny Dancer is like one of the oh. most one of the scenes we were just talking about just being. Yeah just totally iconic and just you know like a a a totally famous song but it 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 doesn't matter that it's such a famous song like i think sometimes when like directors choose like just like the most famous songs for scenes i i sort of like i'm like oh god this again like i'm just rolling oh oh you're gonna pick tiny dancer for the scene but (laughs) i'm watching this and i'm I'm so in it i'm so in it that i don't yeah. I don't care that it's Tiny Dancer. I don't, yeah. like, I it it enhances it. It doesn't detract Absolutely. from it in any way. Yeah. yeah. It's also, like, a famous example of, like, diegetic music, which is, like, hmm. it's sort of music that exists within the scene. So diegetic means it exists in the scene that you're listening to. And so that's an example of, like, you think it's part of the soundtrack, yeah. And then they start to sing along with it. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay, they're actually listening on the bus. Yeah, or like if something's like, you think it's the soundtrack and then they're actually listening on the radio and they like turn it down. Yeah, and they turn, turn it down it and you're like, that's oh, what that's, that's weird. called? Okay. Diegetic music like that means music that movies. exists within the scene. Okay, my like 
this is very random, but my like one of my favorite like instances of that is in Tarantino movies when they're listening to well the soundtrack is playing, but then it becomes the radio and it's like this is KBC Sounds of the 70s. And they, like, play the song, and then somebody starts, like, singing along to it or turns it off on the radio or up or whatever. And you're like, yeah, we're both yeah. listening to the same thing. <laughs> no, totally. Like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood obviously has a ton of that. Yeah. And it's so great. Like, if you listen to the soundtrack, they have all these, like, um, radio, like, um, like ads and like interludes mm. and stuff and it just like it yeah. feels like a continual radio totally. which is how the movie feels but yeah yeah anyways, i do like that i feel like i'm ranting no that. i just went off on a tangent no <laughs> you're good, you're good. no it's so good it's but, so um, good but speaking of tiny dancer i would say that that's my favorite scene if we had to rank scenes yeah sure, we should rank scenes is wait where did we go on um, <laughs> character scenes like or characters can you remember we ended with number four so did. you did you did do you one want to okay i do have um, another one we can yeah it's your turn in characters <laughs> if we're still doing that i i have no I have there no is preference. one more i would like to talk about yeah go for and it and that is lester bangs <laughs> the rock critic and also known as Philip Seymour oh, Hoffman. Oh, we should talk Lester about Banks. him. We should probably talk about oh, him. Oh, yeah. R.A.P. Philip Seymour yeah, Hoffman. So oh, God. That was brutal for me. We love you and me. we miss you. Love you and we miss you, honestly. Yeah. yeah, no, seriously. That's a, that's a like, I sort of forget about that movie, that movie, that character yeah. by the end because he's so part of the beginning and then yeah. and then you, you move on to bigger and better things and yeah. you sort of, yeah. yeah. No, he's so great in that he's part. He's so good. And he, he just like has this. He's so grounded. Like there's something. The the story gets kind of crazy and out there, and sometimes unrelatable because it's like going on the road with rock stars. Like okay, and then he brings it back. Like a, he's like a focus point kind of, for like what does this really mean. Like, for someone outside of it, or, like, yeah, even our, for a 15-year-old dealing with it, like, he's really grounded. Yeah, definitely, and our main character always calls him, and he just always has, like, good life advice of, yeah. like, how to deal with it, and it's odd because he seems, he seems at the beginning like this guy that's, like, sort of unattainable, and then, yeah. and then the kids sort of surpassed him at a certain point, but he's like, oh, yeah, like, I've been there, like totally this is how to handle it like been there done that been there done that he has the wisdom and he's happy to share it totally i think what's so great about him as an actor is just that like i think that he can he can like sometimes when we talk about like the most versatile actors like daniel day lewis and like robert de niro these people like they can play they can play a certain type really well and they can sort of like do a lot of things within that type. So, like, Leonardo DiCaprio tends to play the guy that's, like, smarter than his own situation. Like, Kevin Spacey's always a psychopath. Daniel Lewis, like, is, uh, is sort also of... Also a psychopath. <laughs> also a psychopath in yeah. a different way. But very controlled. Very controlled. Yeah. That was a long print. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman can play crazy, but he can also play normal. Yeah. He can play weird. Yeah. He can play contained, but he can also play like can't control my anger. Yeah. yeah. I think I think he's a guy that's actually somehow the most 
versatile of mm. of that entire group just because mm. I feel like he can play he 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 can play normal and weird. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and again, like in this part I think I think he, he grounds mm. them but And this movie like needs that kind of like grounding focus to bring you back. And perspective. Kind of the perspective exactly. And like someone also who for a 15-year-old rock journalist yeah. who is getting so out of his league, like someone who can kind of guide him or be his mentor or whatever. And he has this, like, he has such a wisdom to him. And he delivers easily my favorite line of the movie, which is the only currency we have in this bankrupt world is what we share with someone when we're uncool. Oh... That, that line, like, went over my head. That's so great. And it's so good. And it, it really, like, sums up the movie for me is, like, the dichotomy between being on stage and being a rock star and playing a part and being somebody cool, who we would call cool, right? And really just being yourself and, I don't know, like, being grounded, I guess, and... I don't know, kind of how William, as such a young and very influenced, influ- yeah. influenced person, yeah. is navigating, like walking the line between those things and like having like the rock stars way up here in his mind, but also like his mom who's grounding him and Lester who's grounding him and his own values. And he has really strong values for a 15 year old, which I think is a unique thing about his character. Yeah, totally. Like he, st- he stands his ground and he's like, I want to go home and I want to talk to my mom. And yeah. This. And so he's just kind of learning like what cool is like in the world, you know? And yeah, I guess the message of the movie is that cool's overrated. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> so, I mean, so I'm good. Right? I don't know about I think you. I'm set. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. set. I'd say we're golden. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're like all fine right? here. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, like, I was, like, trying to take notes during this movie, and I felt like, I felt like him. I felt like, I felt like I'm, like, I'm, like, trying to get ambitious, and like, yeah. do my thing, but then you sort of get lost in the scene of it, like, yeah. like he does, and, like, he yeah. stops taking notes. I'm sort of, I stop taking notes. <laughs> um, but you're caught up in it. Like, that's the beauty it. of it, right? It's, it's like, so great. Penny Lane is, like, put the pen away. Like, we're well, not here to take notes. You're here no, to totally. live. You're here to live it. Totally, and you yeah. you you live you live in this movie. Yeah. I I am I think I've only ever seen like the director's cut of this, which is what mm-hmm. we just watched, which is the two hour and forty five minutes something like version. That, yeah. What what's that different in the theatrical cut? Like, do you think that works better? Do you think it works better to sort of see the whole extra forty minutes of it all? Do you think it works better as a tighter movie? Like, yeah, so. Like, because I love this movie so much, I want it to be, like, 17 hours. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> so, I could, we could, yeah. So you're asking the wrong person, but only because I just, I, everything more that Cameron Crow can give me, I want to watch it. Yeah. You know? No, and honestly, So yeah. I, do, I do think that the, um... Radio edit? <laughs> what would you call it? Like the theatrical the, cut. That's what it's called. Yep. The theatrical cut is um, more of a crowd pleaser, I'd say. Like you don't have to sit through anything that feels like extensively long. Um, it's just like yeah, more tight. 
as you said. Um, but there are things in the director's cut that I love and am happy that they exist and they're out there that we can watch. And one of those is actually one of my favorite scenes, and that's Penny Lane dancing by herself in the auditorium. That's such a great scene. And it's so, and a lot of it's, it plays in the theatrical version for, I'd say, like, couple sec 10 seconds maybe it's really cut down yeah and that was like i thought kind of a bummer for that version because that scene is so beautiful just her dancing in this like floor yeah. and there's like kind of trash laying around oh yeah. my god that's such a beautiful scene and there's something that just like feels like it's kind of bringing it all together because yeah. she is like the centerpiece of like the hard times they've had but the great times they've had and she's reflecting on it all, and she's being herself, which is already beautiful. And ah, and it's almost hard to see her being herself in the movie. Yeah. Like you really see her just being her, like you see her presenting herself for others. Exactly. Constantly, but yeah. she's just sort of dancing for herself. That's a moth. That's a moth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So no, I, that's such a gorgeous scene. I do. Um, I think that that should be in every version. Oh my god! But it's. I'm so I'm honestly so glad you picked this movie because like I, I I watched this for the first time recently and I and I I think this has to move like up my favorite movies Yay! list because it's so, it's so layered. It's so beautiful. Mm. It's so like the mu- It's the music. It's the vibe. Yeah. I, I I think I respond to movies that kind of have strong like vibes to them sure and this is just it's all about the vibe this it's movie such a vibe yeah totally. i don't know it's 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 really really incredible i have i could like i could talk about this movie forever i have a a, a lot of thoughts yeah still even on like just kind of the comment on this movie about rock and roll mm-hmm. and what it means to be like a part of something flashy and like a brand almost yeah and how like rock and roll in its essence like at the core of it is like a fuck you to everybody like to yeah. any, to anybody yeah. who who doesn't like it or who doesn't get it or who doesn't like who they are like it's a fuck you and it's like i'm going to be who i am and you can like it or not, right? And, like, the main singer says that at one point. Yeah. Like rock and roll is like, this is me, and fuck you if you don't like it. Yeah. And so I think that this movie, like, talks or discusses a really interesting, like, piece of that. Is that, like, there is this corporate side of rock and roll, which is, like, represented in this movie by Rolling Stone magazine, which is... And Jimmy Fallon. Exactly. And he is the representative of Rolling Stone, exactly. Um, <laughs> which is just a whole different <laughs> topic, Jimmy, and that. But um, it's like this weird dichotomy is like being rock and roll at its core is like not giving a fuck about what a journalist would write about you or what, I, what the media thinks or what the audience thinks, whatever, right? But then at the same time, it like is kind of such an honor for the band to be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. And so it's like, I guess on a deeper level, like dealing with like 
staying true to your values versus being a sellout in a way. And that's what it seems like the band is struggling with because it's like, it's like they're sort of struggling with this idea of like, well, I mean, we, we like are who we are and we don't care what the critics think. And then they're like, oh, but you're writing for Rolling Stone magazines, like make us look good. Right. So it's like, yeah, no, it's, it's this odd thing where it is an industry. It's a very, it's a very like, liberal industry but it is an industry and it does like you are trying to please the masses and it it does it does sort of like i mean it doesn't necessarily paint a very flattering picture of the industry but like i mean it it's it's i guess what cam and crow saw of it i guess yeah no i mean i mean sorry i went off on a tangent there. no this is all good this is all good i i i'm just freaking out we can we can talk and then i can edit this into like making sense no It'll please i know because i have like a no you're saying some like <laughs> you're saying some really a awesome of, shit a honestly lot of thoughts about this yeah but even yeah oh my gosh i have more is there any more. no <laughs> yes. get out whatever else you want i mean honestly this is all like really good stuff well so like a part of it which is okay Another, I'm going to go off on continue my tangent. Whatever, but, whatever you want. So Cameron Crowe, then a couple years, not a couple years, later down the line, I don't know what year, but he made a rockumentary um, that's called Pearl Jam 20. And your, your <laughs> mom totally loves this you. movie. I love this movie. Okay. My mom also loves this movie. <laughs> shout out to Selena. <laughs> shout out to Selena. It's um for all you rockumentary fans out there. It is a documentary about Pearl Jam, and uh, it's the 20th anniversary of their album that's called 10, which was their first album. And so he, being a journalist in the Seattle scene, loves Pearl Jam. And I guess what I'm getting at is just like his love for music, and at its core... And also the corporate side of it, and a really cool part of that movie is that he discusses kind of the corporate side of rock and roll, or grunge in that instance. Yeah. And that, um, this is going to get really nerdy for a second, but, no. <laughs> but, um, but Kurt Cobain of Nirvana and Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam, they were kind of the two biggest grunge bands at the time right. in the 90s. And so the media pitted them against each other. Because they were the biggest bands with the same audience. And so they created this rivalry when, in actuality, there was no rivalry. The two of them liked each other a lot as friends. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize yeah. that they were pitting against each other. But, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Totally. So they were good buddies, but the media was like, no, like, the fans have to decide whose side you want to be on. Like, whatever bullshit, right? Yeah. And so the two of them decided, they made a pact, Kurt and Eddie Vedder, and they said, we will both not be on the cover of Time magazine because Time wanted to do a, a like a whatever article on either of them. So they made a pact that they wouldn't. And then Time put Eddie on the cover without asking him. And he oh. was like so bummed because he thought like, who, re- like now I'm nobody. Who reads this magazine? Like your mom reads it. Yeah. And it's, and it's on the coffee table at your dentist's office. Like, nobody reads Time Magazine, and I and I don't want to be a part of it, and I don't want it to be, like, a part of me selling out. Like, I didn't agree to this. 
God, that's so and cool. Right? That's so cool that you and just so, be willing to throw all that away. I mean, just for like a friendship, but also just like to throw away like the concept of the institution right. and all that. Yeah. Right. Like you or I would think that like that's a really big success to be on the cover of something yeah. like that. But that's yeah. like kind of the antithesis of what it is to be grunge or rock and roll. Yeah. Right? Which is yeah. like such a cool thing. And then even like kind of a tangent of that is... Like, there's a famous Rolling Stones cover of Nirvana, and Kurt is wearing a shirt that says, Corporate Magazines Suck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, that's the cover of I Rolling Stones, I have seen that, but I forgot right? about that. Yeah. And that's, like, an iconic picture because he's still being who he is and, like, what it means to be grunge. Yeah. But also, I don't know, kind of giving in to being corporate or being a sellout. Yeah, no, no, I mean, completely, completely. That's, like, a really interesting point. I didn't know about the whole history between, like, Eddie Vedder yeah. and, like, Kurt Cobain and all that. I think, <laughs> well, I think... nobody does. It's really nerdy. No, it's super... No, I mean, it's super, super cool. <laughs> like, what, like I'm, I'm making a film podcast. Like, we're here for the nerdy. Yes. It's fine. Um, Fuck yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like... I mean, like, I think I think you're right. Like, this movie that gets at the, the, um, the dichotomy between the art and the industry that surrounds the art, like, you know, I mean, I mean, it does say something about the industry. It does, it does kind of say something that you never really see them compose a song in the movie, honestly. Yeah, that's honestly, in like, in like all the time that they spend together, if they're putting out albums constantly, like you'd think you'd see them kind of like yeah. cham around for a while or whatever. Totally but new material, writing. No, stuff. yeah. I mean, and they never discuss it. It's just sort that's of like. Point. It's, it just sort of doesn't happen. I mean, and it's it, pretty fascinating. Something interesting about the the era they're in, because at the beginning, Lester Bangs does say, like, rock and roll is dead. And you're here yeah. for the death rattle, or, like, the last breath right. of rock and roll. Maybe it's saying something about that. I wasn't alive <laughs> in the early what? 70s. I know, big surprise. Oh, whoa. But <laughs> speaking from not experience. I guess that maybe that's kind of a feeling that they had at the time. Was like, yeah. It, this is being kind of phased out and things are becoming more co- commercialized, which like the 80s are so no- known for, right? It's like things being really glamorous and corporate. Right, it's right. Like the You've 70s the was kind of that rock. transition. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you have like the... How like early 60s is, is like all like the folk rock and stuff, and yeah. then you kind of transition into like the British new the British British invasion. Sorry, there you go. <laughs> you sort of get like the British invasion, but like by like the it's like coming up in the mid 70s. The mid 70s, you got like Steely Dan and Fleetwood Mac, and you've got these like hyper produced studio bands, yeah, that are kind of the antithesis of like the the sort of free rock and roll of like the late 60s early 70s like the sort of like Jimi hendrix head zeppelin all these guys so like you've got you've got sort of rock bands continuing and this isn't to criticize fleetwood mac but it's it's very different from from the sort of free love shit that you get that you get a few years earlier so i mean 1973 is a very very interesting turning point that you just don't see portrayed in a lot of movies like you see a lot of movies that are sort of like Mm. late 60s free love it's sort of coming up on all this but i mean it's it's a weird it's a it's it it is a really weird turning point that i think cameron curl like narrows in on really well 
Interesting. Yeah. But that's like something, I guess, earlier when I, Lester Bangs is always like kind of spitting these like philosophical totally ideas he has, and he's hard to keep up with. I kind of think Cameron Crowe kind of uses him as a way to express his own ideas about totally. Anyway, sorry. He's a vehicle. He's a vehicle, <laughs> kind of, Absolutely. for like Cameron Crowe's only uh, own rants. Absolutely. Yeah. I would. I would say this movie probably is. Yeah. Honestly. For his rants. I guess that's how directing works. <laughs> but <laughs> I wish I had a vehicle for In my rants. In summary, yeah, that's what directing is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. And there's like something about that that kind of I think is everlasting in the movie. That's like at what point. Or can you maintain authenticity at what point, like, being a big rock star or a rock band is, like, it's hard, it's harder to maintain. Yeah, I think the sort of interesting thing about, like, the band that we're following, Stillwater, is, like, you just don't, you don't really know when they peak. Is this their peak? Do, does Billy Crudup stay with the band and they sort of go farther? Do they sort of fade out and they had that one moment on the peak of, on, on the cover of Rolling Stone or whatever? Are they sort of, is, is, is this their final tour? You just don't, you, you just kind of get a, a, a split second of their lives, but you don't, you don't really know the trajectory of the band, which is sort of another, like there, there's a lot, there's a lot in this movie that you don't know. Totally. That's just sort of left up to interpretation. Right. I don't know. How long have we been talking? We're coming up an hour 30. Hey, sweet. Is there a while. Is there something you want to cover? What do you want to cover? What did we do? We did characters. We talked about a lot of the scenes. We can talk about scenes if you want to talk about scenes. What did we talk about? Tiny dancer. We can talk about how we know each other. We haven't talked about that. How do we know each other? (laughs) Mostly, Mostly through Lexi. What the heck? I kind of knew you ninth grade. I don't know how I met you because I feel like I've known you for a long time. Yeah. Like the beginning of high school. We kind of knew each other ninth grade. Yeah. And then I think we kind of started hanging out more recently. Yeah. Like after, through, through Lexi. Definitely our first Lexi. Guest. Lexi, it's your fault. Like our, our high school friend groups, I feel like started to morph more. Yeah. Like with Priscilla and Jay and Mads and shout out yeah. to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> the whole guys. gang. <laughs> but I feel like that's started to morph in more recent years. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, but now that we're both home and doing this, <laughs> doing not a ton. Shout out to coronavirus for- Extra friends. Yeah. Friendship has leveled up. I feel like, is there any else you want to add before we like? Okay, thinking, thinking. I'm sure I have more, but- No. Um, oh, I, I know yes. one, I'm okay, sorry. tell me. Um. I don't like Jimmy Fallon in this at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I more. feel like he's just reading lines. Like, he just seems like... He just looks like a guy on the... He, he just looks like himself on The Tonight Show doing, like, a character when he has, like, Alec Baldwin on. And he's just like, hey, I'm going to do the record executive character. Yeah. And I'm not buying it at all. Like... Yeah. There were other parts that were funny that sort of... I, yeah, it just... It, it, it took me out for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. Not a fan. But but the the funniest things to me about this movie are the things that aren't trying to be funny, I think. Like the That's things true. his mom says. That's true. Where she's like My son was commit kidnapped <laughs> by rock and rollers. Exactly, totally. 
like, oh, and he's like, dude, your mom freaked me out. Like, that's like, that's gold. Like, that's cool. And then he goes on stage to play in front of a thousand people. Totally. Your mom kind of freaked me out. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, it's like, they didn't need Jimmy Fallon is kind of my thought. Yeah, I could see that. I could see them. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, that's that's one rant. <laughs> rant number two. Connected. Did so? Did you know that originally Brad Pitt was supposed to play Russell? Yes, please. Yeah. No, I I was hearing about this for the podcast. Yeah. I was I was hearing about this. Um, that would have been great. Billy yeah. Crudup is actually really good in this role, but like Brad Pitt, that would have been iconic. He is next level, and I support everything. <laughs> but I would, in the same kind of vein of Jimmy Fallon, obviously they don't compare, but I would, I wonder if it maybe would have taken me out of the story just in that it's Brad Pitt and him, like, compared to everyone that's around him, like all the other, like, band members and, and um, what is his name, William, who's, like, not even an actor, you know? Like, it might have been a different dynamic, whereas, like, Billy feels... you know, Like, Brad Pitt is just on his own level, right? Totally. So I kind of feel like he would have been out of the ballpark of this movie, in a way. I think what would have worked well with that is, like, when Brad Pitt shows up as, yeah. like, the guitarist... For this band, where you vaguely recognize, where you vaguely recognize the other actors, yeah. But Brad Pitt's the big star. You see what the record, you see what the record executives see, where they're like, "We want this guy. We want this yeah. guy on, as the face of the T-shirt, and we don't care about these other guys." And I think that, like, I think that that sort of presence of the 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 famous rocker would have come across really well as mm. Brad Pitt just mm. because like I mean you can't look at Brad Pitt and just not see him just be like not see him as a star because yeah. he's just a star. Yeah. I think that that probably would have come across really well. It would have been a different dy- dynamic, but I mean I would have loved to see that movie. I would have loved to see that yeah. movie more than I would have loved to see anyone else play Penny Lane. We were talking about I I yeah. I, I read through the list of names there and like obviously like some of those would have been cool. Yeah. But like more than anything, I would have loved to see Brad Pitt's yeah. version of this. Just I'd just be curious. There is like something about everyone who stuck with the movie that they like genuinely wanted to be a part of it, right? Like everyone right. who was like kind of committed but then bailed, like those people had been were no longer a part of it. So anyone who wanted who was there wanted to be there. And right. that kind of brought like maybe another layer of like meaningfulness to it of like these people genuinely love the script and like love Cameron and want to be a part of it. Kind of like it's sort of fitting, it's sort of fitting in that way that this movie is called Almost Famous because it's all these people who are kind of, I mean, a lot of the actors in this are almost famous. Mm. I mean, you think of like Jason Lee Mm -hmm. and Billy Crudup. I mean, I'd say Kate Hudson's pretty famous, but like, but like, I mean, you get the sense that it is people that are trying to make it into the next level. Like, they are sort of the opening band in a lot of ways. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the line. That's um, it. Um, but I, see, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 
kind of like a B-lister movie, but that makes it an A-lister. Like, exactly. That's, the whole thing. that's kind of the yeah. point of the yeah. whole of speak, all the characters and everything. And it's I feel like it all comes back to like they're so genuine. Like they're just they're not already these mega stars. Like they're these people like Jason Lee was a skateboarder before he was in this movie. He was a professional skateboarder. That's crazy. It's like, me. dude, yeah, and he like started kind of wanting to act and then he was When did this. he join Scientology? That I do not know. That I think he's out of it now. I think I remember hearing he's out of it. Oh, there's like a lot of bugs. So. Um, I, you're right, and I, I don't I don't know if Brad Pitt would have started distracting. It would have been a very different vibe. Yeah. I it's a, it's a movie I'd be interested in seeing, but I I mean I wouldn't change anything about this movie if I if I had the opportunity. Just like I just wouldn't change anything. I agree. It's perfect. Hundred percent. Yeah. And because like the band in the movie, like they genuinely learned. The instruments that they play and like they became a band yeah no like, i heard that they practice together and stuff yeah so nancy wilson and peter frampton like taught them these instruments and That's like they, so they went to like rock camp with these, oh. with these rock gods oh my were, god yeah and lucky and like billy crudup like genuinely hated it because he had he had no guitar skills coming mm. into it and so it was so brutal for him to have to be a rock star on the screen when he didn't know the first thing about playing a song, right? Yeah. But there's something about, like, that struggle that I think probably, like, brought, I don't know, the spirit of them all, like, together. Like, they feel like a band, and I'm sure that contributed to it. Yes. <laughs> I would love to talk about it forever. Is there anything else? I feel like we covered everything. Let me see. Um, my Sherry Moore. We did not talk about it. Wait, wait. Oh, that's what she's getting her stomach pumped. She's getting her stomach and he's like still looking at her, and uh, and you sort of realize she's in this world that doesn't care about her, and he's like he literally cares so much about her that he he's like he's like falling in love with her while she's getting her stomach pumped. Yeah. But. I think he also, it's also somewhat objectifying. Like he's not, he's not caring about her and her state. He's caring mm-hmm. about his, his sort of yeah. idea of her yeah, in that moment. Because otherwise you'd be concerned about her. You wouldn't be like, yeah. oh God, she's a dream. Oh, beautiful, yeah. Like, yeah. So it's almost, it's, he, he's almost, you don't know how much he's in love with her and how much he's in love with the vision of her. Yeah. Well, there's something where like she represents everything he loves about rock and roll right like yeah. she's the glamour yeah. of it and the beauty of it and the fun and whatever and she's not like the pain and the loneliness and the getting sold for 50 bucks in a case of heineken right yeah and so i know i totally agree like he he loves the idea of rock and roll but it's the reality of it that's like more than he anticipated or something Right, right, and she has so much charisma in the part that she she plays and the part that she sort of invented her part like herself, but, like, I think you don't, like, like, the flip side of, like, her being guarded is that she's constantly being, like, objectified and sort of put in, put in this, put in this place, and, like, you just, you don't, you, you don't know who she is, but also, like, 
I think you as an audience member fall in love with someone that she's not. Fall in love with someone that she's putting on, which is sort of this fascinating thing as well. Like, Penny Lane is not Lady something. Thank you. Honestly, I don't even remember. That says something. Like, Penny Lane is not Lady Goodman. And, like, you, you... you fall in love with Penny Lane, but Penny Lane is a vision. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I think that's the point of her getting her stomach pun. Like, yeah. I think, like, Lady Goodman is getting her stomach pumped, but mm. he's seeing, he's seeing Penny Lane. Yeah. Right? And he's seeing Penny yeah. Lane in that moment. And she's kind of just like a representative of all of it. Like the yeah. glam and the beauty and the everything he's falling in love with. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just thinking about, like, that's just, like, his character. Like, that's what a 15-year-old would feel like, like, in such a oh. brutal environment. Yeah. It's like, just absorbing, like, the glamour of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, okay, I guess that, like, why this movie is so special to me is that it's about the music. Like, it always comes back to that. Like, Cameron Crowe has said he, like, thinks about this movie as it's a love letter about music. Totally. So, like, regardless of what's going on with, like, the plot and the characters, it always comes back to people loving music. And that, like just I don't know obsession and love that people have for like music and in its in any form and that's like what the scene the tiny dancer scene kind of does for me that's that's what it communicates to me is that like regardless of everybody being pissed off at each other and all these band members being I don't know a dick and like doing whatever they want being selfish and then they all sit down and shut up and realize that they're all so connected through music and that's really why they're there and why they they're there because of their love for music and that's what connects them like that movie just captures you and like it feels so real is because like it's genuinely how yeah it's like it's sort of like the rolling stones article that they talk about in the movie where you don't know how much of it's real but it captures the emotion Mm -hmm. it captures the emotion so accurately and like you have a feeling that like i mean that that's like that's probably what it's like to meet your favorite band that's probably that's probably what it's honestly like yeah i mean just those moments are so incredibly real whether or not they're accurate they're real if that makes any sense totally yeah 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 i sort of think i i I sort of think kind of like this movie has a theatrical and a director's cut i think this podcast should probably have a theatrical (laughs) perfect and director's director's cut cut. we'll we'll do like a we'll do like a 45 minute abbreviated version (laughs) and then we'll do the full two hours and 40 minutes no way no 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 oh oh my god i was gonna say coming up on two hours we're coming up we should, prob- we should probably wrap yeah. it up, honestly. Well, just for my, it's just the movie's for my, fault. Just it doesn't my, have to be such a good movie. No, it's it's an amazing <laughs> movie, honestly. And I could talk yeah. to you forever, obviously. Yeah. But like, uh, we should probably wrap up the of course. Podcast. No, 
idea. Um, so I've been having people like say a movie quote on their way out. Uh oh. Do you want to do a movie quote? Well, I guess I have. It to. doesn't have to be from this movie. It can be from anything. Say any movie quote. Any quote. Okay, let me get in the character. Get please. That's the best part. <laughs> Silence. Okay, here we go. I am McLovin. (laughs) (laughs) Did I do it good? You did it good. You did it good. Honestly. (laughs) And I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting Uh, something serious. You got me into a serious headspace and then we we did some McLovin. Yeah, a curveball, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Everybody's McLovin if they want to be. Everybody's. Yeah. 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 The best people are McLovin. Everyone has an inner McLovin, I think. <laughs> I think so, And you too. can channel it if you do your best. Yeah. yeah. Everyone should channel their inner McLovin. <laughs> At least once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having Paloma. me. This was, this was great. This was, yeah, this was, this was really, really fun. So I'm thank honored. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.